Well, how wonderful to be able to uh, sing to the glory of God. I'm looking forward to a time of singing without the mask on as well. Of course, we can do that at Farm Church, which resumes uh, next Sunday at 2.30. And on that occasion, Richard Andrews will be giving uh, a message from the Scriptures to us. So do uh, book in for that next week. I wonder, uh, the question uh, to us, the hymn writer says, it is well Now, it might be well with you in many ways. I don't know what your job prospects or your financial situation is, your family situation, when people meet you. All all well? Yes, all is is well. And you give a brief answer. But the real question is, is it well with your essential being, that part of you? This body, see, Will, uh, 64 years old now. It's had uh, quite a few uh, MOTs and repairs done to it. The roof is coming off. The foundations are shaking a little but that essential bit of me will never cease to be my my soul <laughs> that's that eternal bit it's part of the image of God it's that bit that makes me think and ponder and wonder and desire and recoil and communicate and uh, remember and plan plan what plans have you got God has plans part of God's image in us the soul uh, a human being has plans. I've got a dog at home. If you're coming down for the picnic, you'll meet Pip the dog, lovely border collie. Uh, he has no plans. He's not planning his holidays. He just, uh, well, you'll see what he does. He mo- he'll try and uh, scrounge some food off you. And don't, anything at that level is fair game for him, all right? If you want to keep your food, hold it, hold it up, because if it's at this level, it's fair game for him. So he's making his plans in that sense. Can I get that sausage roll? But beyond that, no real plans. But we, we have plans, and that's, that's the soul. And we were made for things better than this world. That old James Bond uh, movie, The World is Not Enough. Absolutely true. Uh, Jesus said it 2,000 years ago. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul, the most precious part of you? We can insure our bodies, and we do. We have uh, life insurance. I just learnt last week that Jill's life insurance policy has expired, so there goes that. Mine's still going on. That's good news for for Jill for a couple more years uh, yet. You can insure a a, a body. I insure my teeth, and it gets more expensive every year to uh, keep in with the old uh, dental plan. Uh, you can insure your home. You can insure. You can't insure your soul, but you can have, as we sang with the first hymn, a blessed assurance for your soul. Policies for the body and the teeth are expensive. The policy for the soul is very expensive. But here's the good news: somebody else has paid the premium. Jesus paid it himself. Well, that's all preamble. Let's think. Let's get on to the message because time is going on. Matthew chapter 28. It focuses on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this person we've been singing about. And I've been pointing you towards already the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And his resurrection changes everything. If it's true, I say since it's true, nothing has been the same since 29 AD. It changes everything. It's 2021. Why? Well, because of these events that took place 
29 AD. In 525 AD, it wasn't 525 AD, I'm not sure what date it was, but in 525 AD, authorities the whole world over agreed to reset the time. It became 525 AD at that point. And around about what they thought was zero, uh, Jesus Christ was born. Around about what they thought was uh, 33 AD, Jesus Christ died and rose again. It's been reset slightly. We now know it was 4 BC that he was born and 29 AD when he died and rose again. AD, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. The events, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, reset time. So upset are humanists and atheists about that, Anno Domini and the date. They changed it to uh, 2021 CE, Common Era. And before the Common Era, it's BCE, before the Common Era. But what brought about the Common Era, my friends? These events, these events, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the facts as they appear in history and from the pages of the Gospels. No one really disputes that a man called Jesus lived and died. Secular historians, contemporary with the Gospel writers, uh, Josephus, a Jewish historian, not sympathetic to the Gospel, wrote about Jesus Christ. Pliny and Tacitus, Roman uh, historians, wrote about this historical person, Jesus Christ. There's no doubt that Jesus Christ lived and died. The question is, did he die and live? And the answer of the Bible, the answer of countless billion, millions of Christians is, yes, uh, he did die and live. Jesus Christ was crucified. Verse 5 here, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Get the details in Matthew chapter 27 and towards the end of all the Gospels. The death of Jesus Christ. Predicted in the Old Testament pages. He's the one prophesied from Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 and onwards. Not only the event of his death and his resurrection, but the meaning of his death and resurrection. He was crucified. His death was foretold by Jesus himself. On many occasions he said, I will be killed, but on the third day I will rise again. The focus of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John is the death of Jesus Christ. If you read John's Gospel, 50% of John's Gospel is focused on the death of Jesus Christ. It's a very strange biography, focused on his death. He was crucified. He definitely died. Uh, he's there on the cross. He gives out that cry. Tetelestai. It is completed. And then he gave up his spirit. The Romans were expert executioners. They'd done this countless times. And then John records the thrusting of the spear into the side of Jesus Christ and the gushing out of blood and Water. He was very definitely dead. Uh, he was entombed. He was laid in the tomb of a rich man. Uh, other than that, he'd have been cast into a common 
grave, but the rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, lay the body in my tomb. It would have been carved out of a rock. There would be a channel in front of the entrance and a large stone would be rolled over the entrance. Uh, I am told it would take 20 men to move this particular stone over the entrance. It would go down into a slot. It would take more than 20 men to push it out. Uh, Again, gravity did much of the work in putting it in. It would take a great effort to move it out again. The stone was sealed with a Roman seal to stop anybody tampering with the grave. And indeed, a guard was set around the tomb because the Roman and the, the Jewish authorities had heard his claim. He will rise again the third day. They wanted no hoaxes. So the Jews asked for a guard and Pilate said, you can take a guard. And it would have been, it's widely thought, a Roman quaternary would have guarded that tomb. Four soldiers on duty for a four-hour stint and then they'd be changed throughout that three-day period because Jesus had said after three days, I will rise again. Oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful account here in Matthew's Gospel. All the accounts are dramatic, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, but I'm particularly gripped by Matthew's account. When you read it, he's not over-dramatising it. It really is dramatic because we're told here in Matthew 28 and verse 2, the women are on their way to the tomb. They want to anoint the body. And then verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Of course, the New Testament is written in Greek and uh, the Greek word for great uh, is mega. There was a mega earthquake. Now, we get earthquakes in Britain. We get them in Wales. Uh, there was one about, was it two years ago? You sort of thought, ooh, what was that? Ooh, what was that? Of course, in some parts of the world, there are devastating earthquakes. This, we're told, Matthew inspired by the Spirit, there was a mega earthquake. What's the reason for the earthquake? Now, we know how earthquakes happen. There are these things called tectonic plates around the Earth's crust, and they butt up against each other. And uh, as they push, they can push up mountains. Sometimes they slide over each other, and there's a sudden jerk uh, of movement, and it can happen for, for quite some time. And uh, the buildings can sway and buildings can fall uh, down as well. Here there's a mega earthquake. And uh, Matthew tells us why. For the tectonic plates move. No, no. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. Some versions put it this way and it's more literal uh, in the Greek. There was a great earthquake for... An angel of the Lord fell down from heaven. What are, there's the gods on duty, still dark. It's around about half past four now, isn't it? Those first glimmers of dawn come uh, over Cardiff. Maybe they're in the middle of their four-hour stint. I, I don't know what times they clocked on and clocked off. Uh, but they have to be alert because uh, they're under strict orders. To guard the tomb. Suddenly the ground shakes and an angel fell 
from heaven to earth. And more than that, we're told what the angel actually does. And he came up to the tomb and rolled back the stone. That which would have taken 20 men to put in place, perhaps 50 men to move out. The angel fell. The ground shook. He goes up to the tomb. He gets the stone. He moves it away. 50 men, one angel. And what does he do next? Matthew tells us he sat on the stone. I can see him. Ha! You thought you'd keep him in? And I'm not taking the stone away to let him out. He is not here. He is risen. And risen with a resurrection body we one day will receive. Roy, I'm looking forward to mine. I'm sure you're looking forward to, to yours. This body could melt through rock. And the angel wants to, people to know he is not here. He sat on the stone. Ha! The God is useless. Death is defeated. The seal. What was the point of the seal? Oh, his appearance. Verse 3. What did he look like? His appearance was like lightning. His clothes white as snow. It was totally unexpected. The gods. Think about the gods. I mean, to get this job, you think it's quite a cushy number. Roman quaternary, perhaps four groups of four men. So 16 gods. We've got a new job on, boys. Uh, guarding a tomb outside Jerusalem. Quite an easy one. Nice garden. Uh, but make sure you don't fall asleep. Serious business, this. There's been some rumour that maybe uh, some guy's going to come and steal the body and claim a resurrection. So you be alert. Now, who's it going to be? Okay, you. F yes. Any volunteer? Oh, I want, that. I want that one. This is a nice, easy one. Sixteen men chosen, they divided up. Oh, and there they are. Quite nice, quiet, easy job, boys. This one. Earthquake. An angel falls down. Lightning. Gleaming claws. Hurls the stone away. Ah! What would you do if you were there? They were, well, we're told here. For fear of him. Greek word phobos. For fear of him, the angel, the gods, trembled and then fell over. So scared. Shook and became like dead men. Phobos, trembling, they collapsed. The women are there at this point as well. They're observing what's happening. And they're starting to tremble. But the angel says to the women, do not be afraid. God's phobos. Women, no phobos for you. God's fear. Women, no fear. You're not to tremble. I know why you're here. I know that you're seeking Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come. So I've taken the stone away. I want you to see that he's not here. You don't believe me? Come. Come, come on then. Come on. Come and have a look. And, and they, they will come. And see, he is not here. 
He's risen as he said he would. And behold, he, Jesus, is going before you to Galilee. He's heading back up north. It's about 90 miles away. They're outside Jerusalem. He's heading up north. He's going north back to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So the women, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Great joy. The resurrection. He is not here. He is risen. Brings great joy. Brought great joy to those women. Now here's a test as to whether we are believers or not. Might be 2,000 years later, but it's the same person. If he rose, he's still arisen. Proves that he's God. And he's alive today. And the resurrection struck me in 1976 when I was 19 years old and transformed my life from atheism to being Christ-centered, cross-centered, gospel-centered. So living for me, now living for Christ. He's kept me going for 45 years. And through good times and bad times, easy times and difficult times, there's been something deep in my heart no circumstance can extinguish. It's joy in the resurrection. Are you a Christian? You might be religious, you might be a church goer, you might be looking in for the first time because it's a baptismal service, but is this reality of the resurrection something that dominates your life as it did for the women and the disciples who lived and died proclaiming that Jesus died and rose? So gripped were they by it, ten of the disciples suffered a martyr's death proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection. We have seen him. If you keep on saying that, we will crucify you as well. I've seen him. Last chance, I've seen him. And they're crucified, or they're beheaded, or they're... The Lord's own brother, James, he had uh, four half-brothers. Of course, uh, Mary was Jesus' earthly mother. Joseph was only supposed that he was the father. Of course, he wasn't begotten of the Holy Spirit. But James, one of his half-brothers, who was cynical throughout his life, after the resurrection, James comes to faith. And so does uh, Jude. He comes to faith as well. But James, he's thrown off the pinnacle of the temple, declaring Jesus is alive. Change their lives. Now, Christianity changes lives. It's changed Roy, it's changed me. Has it changed you? Or is it just a little add-on when it's convenient? That's not Christianity. And if Jesus is alive, what a profound difference it makes. He is risen. And then the women actually meet Jesus. Oh, what a joy. They see him, verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings, hello. And they came up and took him by his feet and worshipped him. Then he said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. 90 mile journey, no easy jet, no coaches, no electric cars, no petrol or diesel, no trains, donkeys and horses. Let's hire some horses or donkeys and off they go, heading up north to Galilee. Over 40 days then, We could read in 1 Corinthians 15, but time is going on. Uh, He appears to many people on different occasions. 
And it's not that Jesus Christ is on tour. I'm expecting the England team to go on tour after next weekend. But the gentleman down here disagrees with me. I'm increasingly confident. The England team going on tour, displaying their glorious victory. Jesus Christ didn't go on tour. His resurrection appearances were carefully selected to individuals and also to groups of people, the 11, and on one occasion, 500 who were gathered together. And Paul says, many of them are still alive. You could go and have a chat uh, with them if you want some more clarification. He was alive then. He's alive now. There's a, a hymn here. I serve a risen saviour. He's in the world today. He rose 29 AD. It's 2021. What's the difference to a risen saviour? It's like a moment. It's a, a passing. Not, nothing. What, what is time? I you know, grab. What is time? We're moving through it. Jesus Christ is above time. I serve a risen saviour. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. Rejoice. Now, come on now. Do we have this joy? It's not joy. <laughs> Christian joy is something deep and solid. When peace like a river attendeth my way, or sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Here's the joy. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing eternal, not occasional, hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so true and kind. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. He'll do it this morning now. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. Well, I could go through lots of uh, proofs and they're not invalid. They've got their place. But I'll tell you how I know he lives. I've met him. And he lives by his spirit within my heart oh he is alive he is risen and because of that we're having a baptismal service he died he rose Roy has trusted in Christ his sins have been forgiven he's died with Christ he rises with Christ it's a picture of the washing away of, of sins the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin it's obedience to a commandment and Jesus Christ gives the command here to his disciples, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, notice this singular, the name, one name of the three persons. 
One essential being, three persons. The Bible's very clear. It's not the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I baptise Roy, it'll be, as Jesus Christ said, in the name, singular, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's draw some conclusions in conclusion this morning. Since Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he is exactly who he claimed to be throughout his earthly ministry. People said to him, give us a sign. No sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah as he was in the belly of the great fish three days. So I will be in the earth for three days. What sign will you give us, they said on another occasion, if you destroy this temple, I will rise it again on the third day. Or oh, he is who he claimed to be. In John's Gospel, there are that, there's that raft of I ams. I am the bread of life. He's the one who satisfies. I am the true vine. He is the source of all goodness. I am the light of the world. He gives sight and gives wisdom. I am the good shepherd. So much here. Green pastures, still waters, protection. I am the way, the truth, the life, exclusive, egocentric, Christ-centered, the way, the truth, the life. Wonderfully, I am, says Jesus, the resurrection and the life. And then one claim when he was before a group of Jews, they stone him for this claim. I am the I am. I am claiming absolute divinity. Oh, since he rose from the dead, all he claimed is true. He is the eternal son of the living God. And secondly, since he rose from the dead, his work actually works. Would you like to know sins forgiven and peace with God and the certainty of heaven to come? Religion won't do it. Baptism won't do it. Being a nice person won't do it because you'll always think, have I done enough? But when you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is enough. He gives you the, the golden ticket to heaven. He paid for it. Sin brings death. Christ died for sin. Not his own. He was the perfect spotless lamb of God. He dies for yours and for mine. But it's not automatic. We need to personally trust in him. He's not in the business of twisting arms. You should see the plight that you're in. Sinners before a holy God. The fact you have to face physical death and then a judgment. And if sin is to your account, then it's forever away from his good presence. But God doesn't want you to have that. He wants you to have eternal life. And it's offered freely through his son. His work works. Jesus said, Mark 10, 45, I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. His death is the focus of eternity. Planned before there ever was a universe. Prophesied throughout the history. Old Testament times. Put into effect in time. And proclaimed then by the church ever since in the power of the Holy Spirit. My friends, sin can be forgiven. You can have peace with God and the certainty of heaven to come. Jesus Christ is uniquely the vicar. The one who stands vicariously in our place. Peter puts it this way. Christ died for sin once for all. The just on behalf of the unjust to bring you to God.
And so comes this great commission. All authority. I was praying in my prayer. It came to my mind as I was praying. He is God. Of course he has all authority to rule and to govern the universe and the affairs of this planet. But if he had not lived and died and risen again, he'd have no authority to forgive sins. All he can do is judge. But because he's lived and died and he's risen again, now he has all authority in heaven on earth to forgive sins. My friend, watching at home or here in the chapel, whatever age you might be, have your sins been forgiven? If not, go to the one who can forgive your sins. Do you want to be saved? You go to Jesus Christ and we go personally. And if we are saved, are you living for him? And if you are saved, are you rejoicing in him? Do we have these eternal hallelujahs? And once somebody has believed, Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And a wonderful promise. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. And it hasn't ended yet. So he's here with us now to God be the glory. Well, we're going to sing another hymn. And after this hymn, I will baptize Roy. And then uh, there'll be a final concluding hymn while Roy and I uh, get changed. And then we will reappear. And uh, we can chat in the, the car park area. And then please do come down to the farm. If you're watching at home, come on down. And uh, if you're here in the chapel, do come on down for a time of fellowship together. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Let's stand and sing.
Father, as we come to this time of the act of baptism itself, we pray for a special sense of your presence, particularly for Roy, and for we who observe this uh, act of Christian witness. We pray, Lord, you bless us, uh, help those of us who are your people to reconsider and to think about your great commitment to us and how we are committing ourselves to you. Help us, we pray. Amen. Well, if there are folks who are believers who haven't yet been baptised, um, there is going to be another baptismal service. My uh, stepping down as pastor has been postponed a week to take in another baptism, which will be the first Sunday in September. So it's not too late if you believed and uh, feel uh, that the Lord is leading you to obey his command to be baptised. Then uh, there is another opportunity to see me or one of the elders, very soon, uh, please. When I baptise Roy, as he comes out of the water, the organ will start and we'll sing that chorus. It's on your sheets and it will be on the, the wall there. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. So, Roy, please come and join me. Take your mask off. <coughs> Is that a waterproof watch? Yes. Good. Right. Step this way a bit because the microphone's just behind you there. Roy, in your profession of repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ, I baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> With a mind. 